0: time to turn our attention to the United States. And we're in an effective mood, aren't we?
1: Yep. 2021 indeed has been an eventful year yeah. for all countries around the world. And the U.S. is no exception. We saw the Capitol attack. Mm. We also saw former President Donald Trump's impeachment. Oh. <laughs> Don't forget Joe Biden's inauguration. Yeah, yeah. And of course, the country's continued fight with COVID-19.
0: Well, helping us out in this special edition of The Washington Report is Nirmal Ghosh. Here's be your chief for The Straight time, so let's get his take on the biggest headlines to come out of the United States this year. Nirmal, good morning. All right, let's get to it. What's your biggest headline, you know, in your opinion, the biggest one to come out of the U.S. this year?
2: Well, the biggest headline of the year was right at the start, the January 6th attack on the Capitol. That day, hundreds of Donald Trump supporters, egged on by the president who insisted that he was the rightful winner of the election, gathered in Washington, D.C. and swarmed into the Capitol. They battered the Capitol police. They smashed windows and got into the building while lawmakers barricaded themselves or ran for shelter. Senate staff saved paper electoral college ballots before the rioters broke into the chamber. No assistance came for the Capitol Police. President Trump waited a little over three hours before finally calling on the mob to go home. We love you, he said, go home. And he continued to insist that the election had been stolen from him. The idea was to stop Congress from counting the Electoral College ballots, essentially to interrupt the whole process, maybe even burn the ballots. Incidentally, quite a number of court cases brought by Mr. Trump's allies around the country claiming election fraud failed in various courts. Well, that day it was an old-fashioned insurrection, the storming of the Capitol, and you are going to hear a lot more about it as we get into the anniversary of that event. And there is a January 6th House Select Committee busy trying to find out who knew what and when. What the event made clear, though, was how wafer-thin democracy is in a country that remains dangerously polarized.
1: The Capitol attack, Nirmal, of course, also led to other headline-grabbing events. For one thing, Trump's impeachment, and let's not forget Mr. Biden's inauguration as well.
2: The House voted to impeach President Trump for an unprecedented second time. The vote was 232 to 197, with all Democrats joined by 10 Republicans in a House chamber protected by National Guard troops stationed all around the Capitol grounds. This, again, was the first time that a president has been impeached twice. One month later, the Senate voted to acquit him. 57 said guilty and 43 said not guilty, which was 10 short of the 67 votes needed to convict him. And then the third headline inevitably has to be January 20, which was the inauguration of President Joe Biden again with something like 25,000 armed national guard troops for additional security it capped a sequence of events quite unprecedented in modern times it shook many around the world to see the us Capitol attacked like this the inauguration was also a symbol of democracy or of the democratic process and affirmation and the troops an indication of that determination as well
0: you know washington 's usually very quiet it was, it was just weird seeing it like that on TV all right uh, we 've done three headlines. No, what we understand number four you 've chosen uh, the Texas power crisis. Could you give us a quick recap on what happened?
2: The fourth headline would be roughly around mid February when the power went out across a large part of Texas as three severe consecutive winter storms buried the state in snow and temperatures well below freezing. More than two hundred people died, most freezing to death. By some reports, the death count was much higher. More than 4.5 million homes and businesses were left without power, some for several days. Now, state officials initially blamed outages on frozen wind turbines and solar panels, but it came out that there was a failure to adequately winterize power sources, primarily natural gas, that was really responsible for the grid failure. It was an example of the challenges of adapting critical infrastructure to extreme weather events which are going to increase as the earth warms and weather gets more volatile.
0: This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode.
1: The fall of Kabul, no doubt, factors in the top five. To what extent would you say, Nirmal, given this, the U.S. might have given up on
2: this kind of foreign nation building efforts? That was the date the Taliban took over. The capital fell as the U.S. was scrambling to airlift its troops and its citizens and Afghans working with the coalition. Everyone knew this was bound to happen, but not so quickly. As it happens, the Afghan government's forces did not put up much resistance at all in the end. When the President Ashraf Ghani fled the country, the writing was on the wall. Now, this marked the end of the United States' longest war to date. The U.S. had invaded Afghanistan in 2001 because the Taliban in power then had refused to give up Osama bin Laden, the mastermind of the 9-11 attacks. But August 15 was only the start of a chaotic withdrawal, which ended on August 30th. While the American public at home has for a while been tired of remote, endless overseas wars and generally welcomed this disengagement, this was seen abroad as a capitulation by the United States and to a harsh regime. The very regime the U.S. threw out 20 years ago is now back in power. Now, more than 120,000 people were evacuated in that short period, and that was touted as a massive operational feat, which it was, but it cannot make up for the fact that the U.S. was essentially defeated, or even more importantly, has given up on this sort of nation-building in other countries. In fact, the next day... President Biden said the United States should learn from its mistakes and that the withdrawal marked the end of, quote, an era of major military operations to remake other countries, unquote. This
0: is a good recap. I mean, you know this. I don't know about you, but I found that I kind of forgot that these things happened mm-hmm. this year.
1: The fall of Kabul was something yeah. that I had forgotten. Yeah. So for, for me, it was the Texas one. Uh, so I'm glad actually that uh, Nirmal, you're bringing up all these very important events that I believe really should not be forgotten, right at all. So let's talk about what the world ought to expect from the U.S. next year. How would you say the U.S. will continue to make headlines?
2: For starters, COVID is going to continue to dog the economic recovery a bit and supply chain disruption could remain an issue. Inflation will remain up as long as the pandemic triggers reactions like shutdown cancellations, Just makes a lot of people stay at home if they get it. On the other hand, the Omicron crest could peak sometime in mid or late January, some reports say. But even then, of course, there is no graceful way out of this pandemic and we have not yet come to terms with treating it like an endemic that is living with it. And we will very likely see more extreme weather or weather and climate-related events like hurricanes, typhoons, floods, wildfires. I do expect the wildfire season in California could be pretty bad, although we have some welcome rain in California right now. Politically, the United States is going into an election year, and it does not look great for President Biden and the Democratic Party. The Senate is split 50-50, so losing just one seat in the midterms in November 2022 would lose the Senate. And the Democratic Party is likely to lose the House as well. This is quite usual historically. The party in power at the White House normally does lose seats in the midterms. With President Biden's approval ratings running low, it does look like that will happen. But that, of course, comes at the end of the year in November. And until then, the campaign for the midterms will steadily develop momentum and become more frenetic. Typically, a lot of what is done is focused inward on the domestic political priorities. We will see former President Trump under pressure from the January 6th investigation, which could end up bringing a criminal referral against him over that event. But he will counterattack, putting his weight behind his preferred candidates in the midterms, and his base will get angrier. Domestically, the $1.75 trillion Build Back Better legislation has been torpedoed, but the party is going to focus now on legislation to expand voting rights. And that is also going to be a big fight, because they have said if the Senate blocks the vote with the filibuster rule, they want to amend the rule. The filibuster, in effect, sets a 60-vote supermajority requirement for passing legislation in the Senate. That high bar dooms a lot of legislation, and it has often been used to block civil rights legislation indebted to combat racial discrimination. It is this that the Democrats want to change, so we should expect a lot of controversy over this going forward. On the foreign policy front, we can expect a U.S.-ASEAN summit quite likely in the first quarter of the year. And we can expect an economic strategy for the Indo-Pacific that many in Asia are hoping will see the U.S. finding ways to robustly step up and compete with China in the economic arena in the region. And of course, on a related note, we will certainly see more posturing on the part of both China and the United States. And tension and worry will remain high over Taiwan. All right, thanks very much for that. We've been
0: speaking with Nirmal Goshier Spear G for the Straits Times. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate
2: us.